What started off as a dream to work in aviation turned into the largest gift to the Metro Detroit craft beer community. Well before the craft boom happened in the 2000s, Ashley's job at a local grocer in Royal Oak, Michigan showed what you can do with building relationships, gathering new product, and promoting not only local, but breweries all across the country and the world. Ashley is so well known that local mead maker B. Nectar actually made a mead dedicated to his commitment to the industry. What was next for Ashley? Start his own store and bar with a focus on craft, import, and non-alcoholic products, which is where we are today with the store Metropolitan Variety in Detroit, Michigan. Ashley breaks down his journey to his own place, the commitment to finding some of the best non-alcoholic products in the industry, and continues to improve his store and bar by creating mocktails, updating his food menu, and constantly updating the store. This isn't your regular beer store, but one you should check out the next time you're in Detroit. Whether your beer is in a bottle, can, or glass, kick back and relax. It's Better on Draft. That's right, everybody. It is Friday night, 7-15. My name is Ken, and it is the Michigan Beer Series of the Better on Draft podcast. With me are my co-hosts. Let's go around and see what everybody is drinking, starting with Dan. Dan, what do you got? Still doing that dry January stuff. I got myself a can of Nick's favorite, Liquid Death. Right. Wait, wait, wait. That's Since when is that my favorite? Because I don't know. You... you called me out last week about it. <laughs> well, Nick, what do you got over there? I just cracked open a Robert the Bruce Scottish Ale from Three Floyds. Oh, my and gosh. Yep, and then on deck, I'm still on the the s'more stout kick from short. I still can't believe that it's been years since Three Floyds has gotten to Michigan, and I still haven't gotten myself like a six pack of Gumball Head recently. Uh, oh. I think I still still buy it over in Toledo more than I do in Michigan. Uh, <laughs> How sad is that? It's <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. It's just the way the way it goes. Danny, what do you got for a, a beverage tonight? Uh, I have Local Hell from Urban Rest Brewing here in sunny Ferndale. All right. And for myself, I am starting off with a Schlafly Kolsch, and I am washing it down with a loaded dice, the Fat King Weisenbach. And with us, a returning guest, uh, which we appreciate him taking the time out of his night to join us. Uh, we have Ashley from Metropolitan Variety. Uh, why don't you uh, say hello, tell us what you're drinking, if anything, and then uh, give us a little bit of a rundown of uh, what you've been doing for the last few years since we've had you on uh, the last time uh, representing Holiday. Oh, well, um, hi, everybody. Uh, it's, yeah, it's been, I can't remember how long it's been. I guess it has been a few years. Um, I wasn't drinking anything, but I do have an N.A. Soft Blanc in my fridge, so I figured I'd grab that for in honor of the show and the night um last time so it's been a few years so i guess i left holiday probably a year or so after the last time i was on the show i began started up my own project and uh so for the last year and a half i've been in west village detroit um with a store and a restaurant a bar and restaurant and um kind of been doing that and uh (laughs) realizing what it's like to own a business um so much of the same thing, a little bit changes, more wine and spirit space with what I do now, but still a lot of beer centric for sure, especially on the bar side. And uh, yeah, just trying to see what I can do. A lot of non-alcoholic, obviously, that's always been a big thing of mine, been pushing for that for years. So um, yeah, a lot of change, but a lot of the same. So that's kind of where we're at now. I actually pulled up the show. The last time you were on was episode 130 of the Better on Draft podcast. We are on over 300 right now. Uh, This was uh, May of 2018. Uh, So it's definitely been quite some time since you've been on. Uh, The first thing, the reason why I wanted to bring you on is you have been a massive Metro Detroit proponent of uh, dry products. So your non-alcoholics, as you have a wine, I believe there, uh, non-alcoholics, beer and spirits, um, always trying to source them and serve them to your customers. I guess my first question to you is how has dry January been? 
uh, for you and your customers? And um, what are we seeing within the market and market shifts as you see customers? Do you see them changing their purchasing? Do you see them, um, you know, just going to try it? Like what's what's the, the customer mind when they see, you know, NA wine for the first time? Um, so I guess this is why I start with like the, since I've gotten my store, this is my technically my second dry January. It's really hard to count the first one because of um, us opening in November. So it was very close to my grand opening date to when I hit the first one. So people in the neighborhood hadn't really gotten used to me. Um, being that this is my second one, I'm seeing kind of the same patterns that I saw with holiday. Although it seems like I made myself much more of a presence where we are and our neighborhood is much more receptive to um, different lifestyles. So people doing lifestyle changes either permanently or temporarily, it, it seems to be very much accepted. So that part of the industry has been growing no matter what. So I just wanted to make sure people knew where they could go get what they wanted. And um, uh, the things themselves with beer, wine, spirits, those are the three. Outside of that, there are other things that kind of sell alongside of it when it comes to picking what people would term a healthier lifestyle. It just depends on how you feel about it. And CBD drinks fall into that and some other things. Um, I would say that when it comes to how the industry is doing, it's growing at a rate unexpected by most. Um, And I've had to push that into my bar program also, which I'm happy to do. And my bartender is doing an amazing job coming up with mocktails based with products that we carry in the store. So you're able to have a sample of seed lip or something like that, that also comes in a cocktail and be able to experience it that way and then buy the product on our side. And that gives you the full experience. And then you're able to just kind of go home with it. Uh, the amount of people buying it, I feel like are, is increasing. There's still skepticism when it comes to whether or not it's going to taste the way it should, especially on, I would say, the wine end. That's probably the most critical. Um, spirits kind of people know for the most part what to expect. They know it's not going to taste exactly the same. But when you mix it in a cocktail, the cocktails can be made to taste very similar. And then beers, honestly, are the best replication when it comes to full strength versus non-alcoholic. With wine, everyone being a little bit uh, scared with the wine. Why? Why are people? Was was there like really bad initial NA wine when it first came out, or what? What's the skepticism coming from the the wine uh, fans? Yeah, I mean, dealing with wine in general, um, it just it needs to taste the way that they're expecting it to. And the problem is when you dealcoalize wine or make it, a lot of makers end up coming out with things that taste like grape juice, and that's not what the drinker wants. The drinker wants something that's supposed to taste like an alcoholic wine just is removed. And I think that's where some of the marks were missed by early entries, but it seems to be coming along quite well. And it seems like full strength winemakers are now making non-alcoholic wine, which is also helping because the experience and tastes and the flavor profiles trying to mirror as close as possible. It's, it's going better. Uh, especially with reds, reds are the toughest whites are easier to replicate especially sweeter whites, because it it lends itself to what you're going to get anyway. Um, Dry reds are the toughest wines to make. So the skepticism when it comes to trying new NA wines is, I mean, it makes sense. So, but they're getting better, I would say. Do you see the same skepticism when it comes to spirits? Uh, Or is it really like, like, how are you seeing people get into the the non-alcoholic spirits? Spirits are the toughest, which is really funny because uh, there's constant questions on the boards and the groups that I'm in. Where's the NA vodka? I'm like, it's it, it, all the responses that we get are like, it's just water. I'm like, it kind of is. I mean, a neutral grain spirit, what are you supposed to get out of it aside from taking a water and peppering it? So it becomes really difficult when you're trying to come up with nuances and ways to um, mimic what a full strength product would taste like. Uh, whiskey's a lot easier when it comes to certain aspects. You, vanilla, you can use oak spires and age them. You could do a spice to mimic some heat. Uh, gin is probably the easiest to come by because of just it's different botanicals. So it's pouring those into a cocktail. I, no, to be clear also, almost none of the NA spirits tell you to drink them straight. That's not the idea. 
The idea is you mix it into a cocktail that is familiar. And once you mix it into a cocktail, you can recognize it for what it is. I, I think honestly, especially for us, like our best cocktail on my bar side is our negative Negroni. And it's made with three different types of spirits that are readily available on the shelf, but tastes dead on like a full strength Negroni. Now, before I pass it off to to Dan, uh, West Village isn't really a well-known area within the city of Detroit. Um, It's over by Indian Village, over by Island View. Uh, what was the reasoning for picking that specific area to open up your, your store, especially when, um, you know, the clientele might not necessarily be there? Well, I mean, the search began in Detroit and not specifically in West Village. It began in, um, Midtown specific, but these spaces we were looking at in Midtown just didn't make a lot of sense, not for a few years. And we needed something we could activate fairly. So we decided to switch off and find a space that made more sense embedded into a neighborhood, but also um, close to thoroughfare. I, and just because it isn't like as well known, like I didn't really know what it was, where West Village was, honestly, before I started venturing down there a bit. Uh, it's still 10 minutes from Gross Point. It's right by, not too far from Belle Isle. It's in a historic district in a growing, rapidly growing neighborhood. So all the made sense when it came to what we were trying to do and what we were trying to cultivate neighborhood bar restaurant with a neighborhood store that also supplied i mean the the main reason for building in detroit and doing what we're doing is that no one's really doing the eclectic selection of liquors and wines that we're able to carry along with having a bar and restaurant that carries those also and going back and forth with them so that made sense when it came to what we found in the neighborhood itself once we started going down there more. I feel like it's very reminiscent of, I live in Ferndale, and it feels very familiar when I'm down there. Now, with the NA beer um, and just any spirits and liquor in general, I'm kind of curious. This is my second uh, dry January. Last year was my first. Before that, I was incredibly skeptical. Um, what do you say to the skeptical person who comes in, you know, someone like my age, knowing that any beers like sharps, so duels, that sort of thing. How do you approach that? How do you bring them to something you think they'll enjoy when they're already walking in with a mindset that, you know, this is just going to be like a really bad tasting type of water or something to that effect. Right. And that's where singles are always beneficial. Um, I feel like we've got, like, I don't carry the ones that I would perceive as bad. So we don't carry sharps old duels. <laughs> Amber honestly isn't terrible. Um, we do carry some really good options when it comes. To... Got kicked. Oh, just we do carry some really good options when it comes to what's available, and I try to just keep it to that, rotate it. Um, even for people that maybe are, I but I drink PBR, drink High Life. I've got options to fulfill those needs without being, you know, malt corn water. So I, I feel like that's. That's probably your your best base. I mean, company pills from Southern Grist, what I would say is like an upstage high life. I mean, it's so good, but you know, it's experiencing the new things and being willing to try them, but you're stepping in there willing to try. So, I mean, that's really helpful when people come in with the open mind, at least to say, well, you know, I'm looking for something I'd like to try. Then as long as they're willing to spend a little bit, then I can get them in. (laughs) I like that. So is that the champagne of non-alcoholic beers? if it's supposed to be like the high life. Um, I mean, I so, think so. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You know, I really love that. You know, not a lot of people like high life, at least a lot of people I know, I don't think Ken would be caught drinking one, but they're really good once in a while. So it's good to hear the options like that. Here's something that's kind of got my curiosity because I was thinking about this today. There's no numbers or anything I've pulled because we've actually been seeing non-alcoholic beverages going up last year. My first dry January, I drink a ton of not, non-alcoholic beer. Um, This dry January, I've had two, you know, and we're already almost through the month. Do you think this is something that could fade off eventually as more and more people? Because we're seeing with the younger generations, they're not liking to drink non-alcoholic beverages or they're preferring to or they're preferring to drink something that doesn't even mimic that at all. Do you think this is something that could fall off as the years go on because fewer and fewer people just don't drink anymore? I mean, I I feel like not drinking is fine. I think that the any beers and spirits and wines. Sure. I mean, they may kick off a little bit, but it's not just a January thing anymore. It's an everyday thing. So, I mean, the growth of the industry is not dependent on one month. 
which has been really good. So there's surges, but honestly, overall, there's growth every month over month. I would say the people that are venturing outside, there's there's a certain breweries, there's certain spirit makers and everybody else that are kind of pushing outside those limits, specifically places like Untitled Art, who do non-alcoholic beer, but they also do coffees, they do CBD drinks, they do, you know, even sparkling waters like Dram does. I mean, there's all these different options for the non-alcoholic drinking. You're trying to appease anyone that would want to drink like your product. And it becomes that. You become a beverage, not just not just a single entity when it comes to that so you know there's there's options so i'm glad you brought up the cbd that is something we've been seeing growing here uh as well in the market talk to us about that are you getting a good reception with that type of beverage so far uh yeah crazy good it's actually been going better than i ever thought it would uh there's it seems like the brands are growing and each different one that comes in seems to be doing well and for the most part i they're low sugar easy alternatives to soda. And they also give you somewhat of a relaxing effect depending on the potency. Now, are you more of a fan? I guess this is kind of a loaded question. CBD beverages are great. We've also been seeing the rise in the THC beverages as well. Do you think these are an alternative to people who don't want the THC? I know there's a kind of a back and forth between people don't think CBD works as well. Is this a good alternative for those THC based drinks? You know, I don't know that much to say that one way or another. Um, I would say that, I, yeah. To be I totally honest, put you on the spot. Sorry. I've only smoked weed <laughs> twice in my entire life. So it's really hard for me to tell you whether or not that's a good alternative or replacement. I know that I've got a lot of friends in the beer industry that are no longer in the beer industry that are pushing that agenda. But uh <laughs> when it comes to whether it makes sense or not for most people, no clue. Yeah, we have friends of the show. Actually, if you go back to episode 300, one of our guests now in the weed in- industry, former of the beer industry. Um, one more question here, just talking about you in general. So I was reading some information about you here. So when you were at Holiday, you pushed sales from $650,000 up to $1.4 million per year. You know, when you talk to people looking to go into the liquor, beer, wine industry, it's not really looking to go into sales. You know, it's going into winemaking, brewing, mead making, that sort of thing. What actually attracted you to this type of industry where you're selling versus making? Oh, uh, failure, I guess. Um, (laughs) I would say that the only reason I even ended up in this was uh, I wasn't able to get a job coming out of college for um, aviation administration from Western. So I fell backwards into being into beer and realizing that maybe I can start selling things and just, it kind of worked out that way, my personality and just what I was doing. And then the people in the beer industry, honestly, were the reason I stayed. And, you know, that's, that's the relationships I've built over the last 15 years. I mean, they, they're phenomenal. I wouldn't give up for anything. So I feel like that's part of the reason why I hung on to it. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't say that it's a good idea to get into sales. Sales are a disaster. I mean, if you look left and right around the industry, uh, producers are getting rid of sales forces, cutting them. Yeah, people are moving around constantly. That part of it's a mess. You work your, your butt off. You don't get paid much. I mean, that's just, that's the way it is. And I, that's not something I ever wanted to do, really. Really, I didn't have the opportunity with what I was doing early on to phase into that. And I'm kind of glad it never happened based on what I'm seeing now. Uh, there's more opportunity definitely in making always and kind of creating your own brand and going with it that way. And it just, yeah, it made more sense to be where I'm at today. Excellent. Thank you. All right, Danny, I'm going to pass it over to you. Hey, I, uh, I didn't know you were a Bronco. I'm sorry. Oh, to yeah. hear that. <laughs> I was a, I was a chip. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, so is there, uh, back to your, uh, NA stock at Metropolitan, have you gotten like, a an NA champagne? Yeah. A few. There's sparklings. Uh, there's quite a few honestly available on the market and yeah. I've tried a bunch and I've had to kick a few out and I've had to keep, you know, some other ones. Um, there's a German company called Lights that makes an excellent sparkling Riesling. 
there's an Opia Sparkling Chardonnay from Italy. And Liars, honestly, is a huge brand, but they make a Classico, which is like a, a sparkling Prosecco. And that's those three have been fantastic outside of that i mean i found some other things but they've been very sweet and so i try to steer away from the very sweet ones but i've enjoyed those when it came to sparkling wines they've been very well received and i've been trying to work with yeah i'm constantly tasting and kicking things out and i mean there's winemakers that made things that i'm like okay i like two or three of your products i hate two or three of the other ones so it's it's definitely more important with the NA things to taste everything. Of course. So if I like brought my parents down and we're like, we're going to have some fun NA cocktails, what would be like the first like dip your toes in drink you would make for them? Well, I probably push you into my bar because I've got some good stuff over there and uh, start with, I've got a non-alcoholic Aperol Schwitz over there. Oops. Fritz. Yeah, that one. And then negative right now and there's at least one or two other options i really like our gear refresher so there's some some other things that's a way to try them with me because it's really hard with the spirits because of the price point is like sort of a barrier to entry it's very high so i try to push everything over to my bar so that you're able to try things without having it cost you a lot and you can say okay what can i do with this difficult to go headlong into a 40 dollars bottle and you're not sure how it's going to end up so i feel like that's the best to be able to try things versus what you can do with beer with singles or you can do with just a single bottle of wine, which really isn't going to be that expensive. That's good to know. Um, Nick. So actually let me start with going back to the storefront. Um, when you're procuring Anything non-alcohol. Let's let's sticking with wine for a second, because this is the first time I've heard and learned of non-alcoholic wine. We've had the spirits on the show. Um, and yes, don't drink the the non-alcoholic spirits straight because you'll regret it. It's not that's not intended. Uh, and then we had non-alcoholic beer, and you know, some of us are doing that now. I'm not. Uh, but this is the first time I'm hearing about non-alcoholic wine. Uh what are you looking for when you procure something for your store that is going to get people either, you know, attracted to the idea of non-alcoholic wine or, or, or draw them or, or bring them back if they're a returning customer, what are you looking for to, to bring something to bring a non-alcoholic wine in a store? Like what, what character, like what specifically are you looking for? I It's all non-alcoholic products are is mimicry so very close mimicry and marketing those are the two things that'll get you in my store because if you're coming by there and maybe i'm not there and you're just taking a look the marketing has to catch you and then if it's on my shelves it has to be good so it's got to be close to what you're expecting it to taste like but that's exactly what it is a beer wine and spirits you have to taste as close to the real thing as you possibly can without obviously being it so that's what gets you in the store on the shelves and honestly, hopefully purchased. So ideally, if you get a rosé, if you're a big rosé fan or a red wine fan, that's you want it to taste you're, you're you as the as the procurer, you, you're going to want that to be as close to a red or as close as, a, as a, to a rosé as possible. Otherwise, it's not it's not worth your time, basically. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, um, that's what the search is for. So, I mean, everyone that's looking for different NA products, you're looking for a dead on identical match to what they're used to tasting. They want it to taste like it with bad effects. That's the entire point. So the things need to taste either very close or exactly dead on. Have you, have you had any, uh, trouble finding something that's close or spot on? I'm assuming you mentioned earlier you had to talk, say, okay, these are no goes. We're not going to bring these into the store because I just personally don't think it's it's close. Have, I mean, have, have you had more duds than than not duds, or is it the other way around? I mean, there's more stuff out there. So I guess if that tells you anything, that means that there's more things that aren't good, but also more things that are possibly good. The spirit realm is really tough because spirits aren't. For the most part, a lot of them aren't distilled. And then the ones that are, you can kind of grab them for wherever you want versus the beers that need to be go through the normal process when you're out buying beer in Michigan through the three-tiered system because they are beer. Uh, 
wines are kind of the same way. Some are just sold and some aren't. So they don't, some do, and some don't have to go through the processes. So it's, it becomes a little bit harder to search and look, and you have to rely heavily on, I mean, not any different than what we do with untapped. You have to rely on reviews. So you have to look at what other people are thinking about them, how they're drinking them, what they're doing with them. And with any spirits and wines and everything else, they're all over the board. It is actually more uncommon to find people agreeing on something. And that is a little more difficult. So it ends up being a cost factor and then taste wise. And then I have to go based on my personal tastes and inflect that onto the customer. Is, is there a type of wine that you've noticed that seems to be um, where, where winer, where wineries can seem to get the, the taste a little bit easier? Like, is it easier to do a non-alcoholic red versus a non-alcoholic white or rosé, for example? Uh, whites are whites are always going to be easier. It's just, uh, for the most part, you're, you're looking for a touch of sweetness with a lot of them. Um, yep. You are looking for them to be fairly dry. So, I mean, even this Sauv Blanc that I'm drinking tonight, it's grapefruity and it's on the drier side and that's what you want. Um, Rieslings are super easy because of them and having an inherent sweetness. Uh, dry reds are really hard. So that seems to be the, the hardest to find spot and people disagree the most about what a dry red is because it's all up to the person it's palates mm-hmm. so everyone's got a different palate and a different you know predilection for what they like so if you drank big cabs or you drank pinot noirs your t- your sense of dry is going to be different from one another so it's 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 a very interesting and complex thing to deal with and um actually it's fairly hard to navigate so i i, I do like watching people argue and talk and it's really uh, it's really fun to watch the in a community specifically on Facebook, there's a lot of them, but they're all so very nice. And it's really, really funny because no other groups with alcohol on Facebook are, well, no other groups on Facebook are as, as nice as they seem to be to each other. I'm very surprised by it every time I look at a post and they're just all very supportive and pushing, but they all want the products to be better and better. So they're looking for better and better things and and there's producers on these sites suppliers and they all talk and owners and it's it is a really cool community to be in it sounds like a polar opposite from some of the beer groups that some of us frequent and pay or at least least just listen and watch and pay Mm -hmm. and just read basically uh so if i were to go into your store today and I'm, I tell you a little bit about myself. I'm not a big wine drinker. Will I drink it? Yes. Um, but knowing those kinds of things, and if I wanted to kind of dive into the non-alcoholic wine world, just, you know, something to just dab my my big toe in, what would you recommend to someone like me to just kind of just, you know, test the waters if I like it or not? What would you recommend? Maybe, maybe not so much an actual brand, but maybe like a style. Right. I was just say, I think a Sauv Blanc makes the most sense. I mean, for the most part, they come off like session IPAs a little bit, like without bite. So if they were, they're grapefruity, they're on the drier side, uh, they're easy you know, to drink. I feel like that makes the most sense when it comes to someone looking that maybe isn't a wine drinker looking for a wine even. Uh, they can be very palatable. Okay. All right. Um, one more question. We're going to switch gears now. We talked about wine. Let's switch over to beer for a second. Non-alcoholic beer has been a big, big thing. I feel like over the last couple of years, uh, I think one of our last shows, Ken maybe can ref- uh, refresh my memory when we had athletic brewing on. Um, I think we that was one of the last studio shows that we had. It wasn't? No, that was, that was the, a Zoom show in July of 2020. Was it 2020? Yeah. Okay. I feel like I felt like we were in the studio for that, but I don't know. Time time flies when you're having fun, I guess. Um, non-alcoholic beer. Are you what's what's some of your biggest sellers amongst non-alcoholic beer? Is it out as did I did I hit that hit it on the mark? Is it athletic? Athletic brewing? Um I, I would say it changes a lot week to week. There's a lot out there now, and there's a lot of good out there. And I of the three categories, beer is the best mimic. They do the best for getting to what you want it to taste like. And based on what, you know, some buying habits are, what people are looking for, that always changes. Um, 
the brands that do the best. I mean, I would say athletics definitely way up there. Um, mm-hmm. Two Roots is another big one. They do well. Uh, well-being. Um, and then Southern Grist is bursting on the scene. Untitled Art, McKellar. Um, all of them are doing well. But then, like, the big brands are kind of making a splash. I mean, they always had been a little bit. But, I mean, the Guinness Zero is, by and large, probably my favorite non-alcoholic beer available for a daily purchase. Uh, Stella Zero actually tastes spot on. A Heineken Zero is still pulling away. I mean, that's that's been one of those ones that's been leading the pack for a few years now. But I would say the Stella tastes pretty similar, and they're doing a really good job also. But that Guinness is absolutely killing it. Uh, outside of that, it's yeah, it's it's been brands like that, Athletic, the, the legacy brands when it comes to uh, to craft, you know, legacy. They've been up for like five years, but that's that's kind of where we're at. It got big so fast. But I really like what Southern Grist is doing with the few options that I've tried so far. And I know that there's more brands coming onto the scene that are going to try some things. So I'm really interested to see where where we kind of go from here. Um, I know Corona's coming in with Sunbrew in the next year. So that's been available for a while um, internationally, but we haven't seen it here. Uh, things like that. I feel like if they hit the summer with it, we're going to be doing well with it. Um, so there's, you know, the options keep growing. And yeah, who does well kind of changes week to week, I would say. In my store specifically, I would I would say I'm not exactly um, prototypical of the market. I, I would say I'm atypical because of, of the place we're in, the size of my store, the size of selection, because it's always got to change because I don't have a lot of space. And I do that with wine, beer, and liquor. I'm constantly rotating in there. Don't have I don't have the space I had a holiday and nowhere near the space that Total Wine has. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is constantly be changing up the product line, and I see a lot of the same customers week to week. So I want to give them a different experience when they come in. Um, not every time, but you know, every other time maybe. So that's kind of the idea with what I provide. Great. Ben, I'm gonna turn it over back to you. I, I guess my my first question with what you just said why do you feel like your store is not necessarily atypical towards you know uh i guess maybe your competition I, it's, it's not even competition it's about location for the most part i mean where i was at holiday specifically is that that was a crossroads of the busiest highways in the state really easy to get any customer you want into that position and i mean i know a lot of people that go there all the time because of just it's convenient. And yeah, being off of 696 and I-75, I mean, you can't beat that if you were looking for a location. Uh, and that's phenomenal when it comes to that. And then they, we've also built the culture there of having unique items and having good things available for purchase. So I'm still building that now. And I'm not well known to the area yet. So, I mean, it's it's still, you know, Gross Point and other places that are around me don't really know who I am because of the distance that gross point is from holiday. It's the same point. Also where I'm at now, I'm not local to any specific highways. I'm a decent distance from uh, major parts of population. So I've got to rely heavily on my neighborhood and the surrounding neighborhoods to support me. And I've been doing a good job of that based on people coming in and me acclimating our selection to demand so i feel like i've been doing a good job of that so far and that's what i'll continue to do but it's a lot different than what i dealt with in holiday where we would get people from everywhere coming to hit us and it would be for all different things and you could easily go through stacks of things without a problem because there was all the same tastes coming in the store when it came to that i don't have as quite as many people walking in on a daily basis so i think that that's a huge difference also what was I, I guess this is more geared towards your previous self and maybe people who might be looking into making their own store. Obviously, uh, when you think of stores like Holiday Market, Eight Degrees comes out, Zatuna Liquor comes out. Like these are the stores that are the Metro Detroit craft beer um, stores. You, on the other hand, um, like what is something when you know you, you had your ambition to do this that you wish you could have kind of told yourself that maybe somebody listening who thinks that they might want to open up a beer store uh, should hear from you? I don't do it in Detroit. Don't do um, it. It's not even. It's not about the populace or the purchasing. It's about the red tape. I would say that that may be one of the hardest places to actually open a business specifically here towards alcohol and in a neighborhood. Um, outside of that, I just, um, if it's going to be a store, make it a store. Me attaching a restaurant made it a little bit harder too. 
but it's just uh but that made it a better model so it just is you know we're, we make it interesting while we do things at the same time make it interesting and difficult more complex and more difficult you just realize that as you go through it uh outside of that it just seems like it depends on where you're at you just need to be you need to be willing to change i think that's more about what it is than anything else i don't think that i'm a craft beer store anymore i mean i i do sell some craft beer and i do things that i want to do but not as much to the fact where i was doing it at holiday like i'm much less it's much less demand where i'm at i i'm definitely more in the spirit and wine world than i am beer at the moment and i'm fine with that that i the business has to survive so that's what i push for but it's I definitely pick and choose my moments when it comes to beer. I definitely have a lot of things that I really like on the shelves for those reasons, but it's not the vast selection that I've had. I agree with you. Eight degrees has like, we're nowhere near that, but for reasons that lead to survival. So I, I definitely had to pick and choose and maybe it'll come back around. Maybe it'll be like, Oh, there's a boom and in this area and everybody wants craft beer. But right now my bar does 75% cocktails is for my sales. And I mean, my side, it's liquor and wine. And I mean, that's right now, that's where it's at. And I'm not saying that that's indicative of the industry, but it sort of looks like maybe some of the craft isn't going as well as we'd like in our area. So I got to be picky and choosy about what I kind of do with that. I started really strong with craft beer, but had to move into a slightly different direction. Well, being able to probably taste a lot of these uh, newer products that you're putting into your bar, what are some of your um, – how are your taste buds changed? What are your spirit uh, choices that you like right now? I mean I go based off of – a lot of that's based on demand. So um, I use I, – I want your I, your demand. Oh, my not, personal? Not, not what, what's with, selling with, awesome. What, what are you with, like getting into now that you're – getting into spirits i am honestly i'm pushing really hard on natural wines and i'm super interested in what those look like and what's changing there spirits based it's what's what's a natural wine before we get off that yeah yeah, no worries uh unfined unfiltered uh so what you get with natural wine for the most part uh mitch is actually doing a line of them uh, from speciation called native species and he does a fantastic job and they're un, yeah, unfined, unfiltered, natural wines. They're fermented naturally. Uh, he does some uh, pet nat is the word for it. And it's essentially a natural champagne, but it's a lighter bubble versus a champagne. And he does a fantastic job with those, but that's just one example of them. Um, usually they'll come off a little, I don't want to say saison but a little bit of funk, a little bit of barnyard to them in a wine. So if that gives you sort of an idea of them, that's what they're indicative of. And I really like them, but that's one portion of it. And then I feel like I, I've gone and kind of latched on to the growing parts of the industry, but what we can do, what we have the most fun with on the bar side is definitely gin. Like, Cause there's, there's so many fun things and botanicals. Everyone's different. And it's, you can put a different bottle on the shelf and make a different cocktail without a problem. And then everyone's got a different choice of what they like, but then they're also, open to trying different things and it's really funny because my early days when i first tried gin i was way off of it way early because i had i don't even remember like the worst gin ever because that's usually what you have first it was probably five o'clock gin and i was like okay i hate gin and i never went back to it and i feel like a lot of people do that when they're younger and then never evolve back into it but it seems like people that are my age now are seeming to come back around to them and, and gin's been pretty big i'm Definitely further into scotch than I thought I would be. That was another thing I thought I would never come back around to because there's, but there's so much variation there too. I mean, I think I had one peated scotch really early on and I'm like, nope, never again. And then realized that there's variations even in the peat. It's just, it's the world is bigger than I thought. Let's just put it that way. Especially with spirits. There's, there's so many different things that I tried to pinhole before I knew about them, specifically being on the beer side where we were just pushing beer, 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 beer. Same thing with wine. I thought everyone had their nose up in the air and that's just how wine drinkers drank. And it's not true. And there's very approachable, easy, delicious things that people can kind of get on board with. And not everything needs to be expensive to be good. I think that's what, 
Um, even happens with beer. Uh, working in a beer store, I'm sure you've heard so many people say this, a phrase like, I hate the taste of beer. And you're like, what do you mean you hate the taste of beer? There's like 80 different styles out there, and that's just the IPAs. So when you get into liquor like i in my mind i was like all right what was my first liquor and of course the first things that come to mind are going to be your heaven uh not heaven hill um your your five o'clock your pop off your uh you know five buck chuck your 151 151 rum like (laughs) straight bacardi 151 yeah like these are the things that you drink when you're younger because they're cheaper and you're there for the you're there for the buzz and not necessarily the flavor whereas as you get older especially with something like scotch and you're looking into something that's going to taste good and when you start getting into the expensive shit that's when the world goes crazy. Um, before we get into the final questions, I have something that I've wanted to uh, talk to you about because I need to hear the story. Um, and for those of you who are unfamiliar with Ashley Price, um, every year Ashley drinks a lot of fucking eggnog. Um, and I just don't understand why. And when I say a lot, I mean gallons. Um, this isn't like, oh, he drinks it every on the occasion, like gallons and there's chugs and there's what was behind the, what was the genesis of this love for eggnog? And I guess after that, how much did you drink this year? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I was a kid. I don't know, I guess. And I got it. And, uh, I'm trying to remember the first time I even had it. Um, I had to have been. I might have been a teenager. I might have been a young teenager when I first had eggnog. And I had like CF Burger or something. And I was like, eh, this is okay. And then I kept drinking it. And I was like, this is pretty good. And then I found out that there were better ones. And I kind of went after it after that. But really, the amount and love for it that I drank didn't probably start happening until my mid-30s. So it's, it's definitely different. And, uh, I don't know. I, I really went a little ham this past year and I needed to not. So I, I guess I made, I made some poor choices. I think I drank four times as much as I did the previous year, which is, I thought I drank a lot last year and I guess I was wrong. I, I recorded it somewhere, but I can't remember exactly how much I had this year, but it was at least five gallons. I think, I think it was, it might've been seven. Well, cause you sell it and it makes it easier to get. And then here we are. And that just, I think that's where it ended up being a problem for me because I create problems with things that I like. It's true. Um, but yeah, I, I still love it. I, I would drink it right now, even though I just drank, I chugged a quart last week. Was that last week? Wow. It was, uh, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, Guernsey's my favorite. I really like Calder's too. The Calder's tastes like straight butter, so I can't drink that much of it. But they do make the best ice cream with it. Uh, it's yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. And it seems like it comes out earlier every year, and they're trying to kill me. So it's like the beginning of October, and now, and then all the way through to January. But here we are. And uh, lastly, before the final questions, for people who don't know, B Nectar, uh, who we've had on the show a few times, have actually made a mead in your honor. Um, what was the genesis of getting a drink named after you? And what is your honest opinion of that mead? And do you have any more left? Uh, I don't, I'm trying to think how that came up with Brad and Carrie, quite honestly. And I don't specifically remember why we were talking about it, but I've always loved them. I've always loved their products. I've always tried to sell them as best as I, as best as I could and push them. Um, I've, I've been a huge fan of, of theirs since the beginning. And I remember when they had a you know, cardboard table in their little uh, warehouse that had air conditioning running to be cooled. Uh, to, he would set up to do samples. And that's, you know, I think about stuff like that when I start a business and remember the people that first walked in the door and it's the same situation. So I feel like maybe that's part of it. Um, I, I don't know specifically like why it happened. I guess that, you know, I, I feel like I've had some impact on the industry. So I hope that, you know, it's been positive and it was really cool to have that done. And I was, you know, I was, I was very grateful. I have, I think I have a bottle. I'm pretty sure I have number one of the first batch. I'd have to look. But I think I, I kept 
number one. Uh, it was really good. That was that was amazing, and that was one of our you know our whole barrel program things where we were running uh, barrel picks at holiday, and I would start sending the barrels out to people. And really, the first one was uh, was shrams. Funny enough, uh, when I started doing that, I just came up with the idea. Oh, maybe this would be a good plan, and then you know, kind of went off from there. We obviously made several beers, including Mallow, which I'll have on draft starting next week, Saturday. Uh, things like that kind of help as we go along. But yeah, I just, I'm, I'm always surprised when people say yes. Like, <laughs> like, Hey, you want to do this crazy shit? Uh, yeah. Okay. And that's the greatest part about the industry. These two, everyone's willing to experiment and try things. And I'm fortunate to have the reputation that I do that they know that I'm not going to screw them over, I guess. Uh, so yeah, no, it's been really nice. It's, it's it's really an honor every time that we get something done, and it's amazing. Of course it is, because the people that I'm able to work with. So, yeah. That Mallow, goddamn, that is one of the beers that we've had so many conversations on the show because that was uh, a beer that went for a Nintendo Switch, um, infamously here in uh, Metro Detroit, where somebody traded one bottle of beer for an entire handheld gaming system. Uh, Ashley, we appreciate you coming on the show as we finish all of our shows. Uh, we're all going to ask you one final question, something fun to send you on your way. Uh, starting with Dan. Dan, what's your final question for Ashley? All right. So this can be anything. It can be um, beer, wine, spirits, whatever. What's one NA style um, out there that you haven't found or tried yet that you'd like to see made? I haven't tried it yet, but Liars makes an absinthe, and I've got to try it. Uh, an NA absinthe? Yeah. Interesting. Dan, that's... that's... <laughs> that, I, yeah, I'm, sorry, that's a, I'm sorry, that's a head scratcher. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, what's your final question for Ashley? Do you have any like formal sommelier or cicerone training, or is this all just from being in the industry for so long? Uh, no, none. Just hanging out in the industry, well, oh. trying things, creating the palette. <laughs> all I kind of I I don't know I Annette tried to push me into cicerone several times, and I backed away. Uh, it's, I don't know why either. It's, it's one of those things that I got in my head that it's a money grab and I don't just decided not to do it. I know it's not. I know it's not. I'm not being a jerk. I'm not trying to be a jerk. But I'll have to cut that for TikTok. <laughs> Famed Detroit entrepreneur Ashley Price says sommelier and Cicerone are <laughs> money grabs. Nick, what's your final question? What are you drinking this weekend with all the stuff that's happening? We got the NFL playoffs. If you're a northern guy like me, you got the Fire and Ice Festival in, in downtown Rochester. What what fun stuff are you drinking this weekend that you're looking forward to cracking open that you haven't yet? Um, I mean, I have to try stuff while I'm at work, so I guess I'll try and figure that out. I work 9 to 9 tomorrow, and then I'll be <laughs> there all day Sunday. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Definitely going to still try some new stuff on the shelf. I opened a Sunset Stoke from Athletic the other day, and it was amazing. Uh, so, I guess, I, I don't know. I got a lot of new uh, non-alcoholic sodas and prebiotics in today, too, I want to try. So, I got a rosé hibiscus sparkling water I'm extremely excited for. So, yeah, I'm old, but it sounds great. Anyway. <laughs> uh, my final question is going to be uh, very, very not alcohol related. Um, while you are drinking, obviously, your alcohol and tasting all these things, what's what's your go-to snack? What's your palate cleanser? What's the, uh, the, the salty or sweet uh, thing that you like to munch on in between tastes? Hmm. I'm a snack nuts guy. Like I, I'm cashews, almonds, stuff like that. If that's, if that's in front of me and then cheese, like those are the, those are my things, nuts and cheese. I mean, that's like the basic answer from anybody, but yeah, that's, that, that's pretty much it. And water. And then, uh, yeah, that kind of, that takes care of it. So, I mean, or, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily the, the standard answer for me. Like, give me, give me, uh, 
um, what's that? Cheddar pops or what? What's like the beer cheese pretzels? Um, oh, those are good. Oh my god, I had them. A Pop Daddy or is that the popcorn version? Yeah. Um, Pop Daddy, Aaron, yeah, Aaron makes. Yeah, there's there's a, a like a beer cheese pretzel I remember getting over at um, Perrin as well as at Total Wine that I just loved. Same with uh, Great Lakes kettle potato chips, just skin on kettle potato chips. Um, yeah, I don't, I I wouldn't go towards like cheese and nuts and stuff. Like I I want, um, I don't know, I want something that's not cheese because i don't want to have to like temperature gauge cheese and make sure it's not like uh warm and like wet (laughs) so um that is gonna do it metropolitan variety i've been saying that wrong for the last few weeks variety not valley metropolitan variety uh where are you guys located where can they find you online um and anything coming up that you want to promote Okay, we are at 8047 Agnes Street in West Village, Detroit. It's about a mile and a quarter northeast of Belle Isle. Um, well, you can find us at metropolitanvariety.com on Instagram and Facebook at Metro Variety Store on Instagram and Metropolitan Variety Store on Facebook. We are coming up with, uh, we've got a new menu that started the day before Thanksgiving in the restaurant. We've got a huge bar program that's got non-alcoholic spirits as as well as amazing cocktails at good prices. Um, Coming up this next week, we've actually got a release of Drafting Table's Mallow, as I alluded to earlier. So Drafting Table released their keg version of it. We will have keg version of it also starting on the 28th. So that'd be that Saturday. And we do a breakfast that morning and go through the evening. So taps will be open all day. Um, yeah, but beyond that, yeah, we're doing lots of cool stuff. So check us out on socials. Thank you so much for joining us. That is the Michigan beer series of better on draft episode number 35. We are off next week. We will be back February 3rd. Uh, we are going to be off, uh, on and off for the next few weeks. Um, as we have other obligations to attend to, including February 24th, we will be off because February 25th, we will be at the Michigan Brewers Guild winter beer festival, freezing our asses off while drinking plenty of high ABV beer. Uh, There are uh, lots of hotels and Ubers to get to and from the site, so it's easy to get in and out to at the ballpark. So definitely go check it out if you've never been there before. And dress warm for the love of God. And uh, don't forget your coat, uh, as I did one year. Uh, Forgot my coat and had to go buy a Michigan Brewers Guild hoodie just to stay warm. Uh, That is going to do it. No matter what you think of your beer, we think it's better on draft. Have a good night.